Howdy, friends. I'm Molly, your host today, and I want to welcome you back to the No Boundaries International podcast. So as a reminder, this podcast is meant to be used as a tool to help equip you in your walk with Jesus in the areas of restoration, training, and outreach. And it's going to be super fun because we use this. We do this by using a combination of exploring biblical principles, taking a closer look at concepts found in our Journey of Restoration CPR e-course, and then we have tons and tons of discussion surrounding what it really means to follow Jesus in these areas. And I'm very excited because for today's episode, we're going to welcome back Dr. Tracy Rogers as we continue on with our mini-series that comes right out of a devotional that was written by Dr. Tracy. So just to remind you guys, she is the executive director of our No Boundaries International Amarillo location. And then, of course, joining us will also be our very own co-founder, vice president, and Bible geek... (laughs) Sandy Orchard. Woo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish we had noisemakers or something. Anyway, so welcome, y'all. Are you ready? We're ready. We are. So I think kind of before we jump into today's session, let's go ahead and do just a little bit of a recap covering what we've discussed so far throughout this mini-series. So just as a reminder, our first episode established that God wants a relationship with us. It established that we were actually created for a relationship with our creator, to know him in an experiential way and not just know about him. And that took us right into the second episode where we talked about how if we were made for relationship, then there must be a way he's communicating with us. Because how weird would it be if you never communicated in a relationship? Super weird. So we looked at how we know God still speaks to us, the many ways that he does it, and then how to discern that it really is the voice of God. And that lands us right here to today's session, where we are going to look at excerpts from Dr. Tracy's devotional, where she invites the reader to examine their passions. I'm very excited. So Sandy, will you go ahead and kick us off with an excerpt from the Devo? Sure. So it says... Here's a few definitions about passion. Passion is defined as an intense driving conviction. It's a powerful feeling of enthusiasm towards someone or something. Passion is the feeling that nothing else exists. It's loving yourself as if you were a rainbow with gold at both ends. Passion gives you a reason to keep learning and working towards your mastery. Passion, fervor, ardor, enthusiasm, zeal mean intense emotion and compelling action. Passion applies to all emotion that is deeply stirring or ungovernable. Um, and the sentences, yeah, an example is like, gave into his passions, fervor implies a warm and steady emotion. So let's look at Romans 7, 5 through 6 and Galatians 5, 24 through 26. So Romans 7, 5 through 6 says, For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to what was once bound us, um, we have been released from the law so that we serve in a new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. And then in Galatians 5, 24 through 26, it says, Those who belong to Christ, to, uh, to Christ Jesus, have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Ooh, those ones are good. And so 
Dr. Tracy, I like how right from the start you hit us <laughs> with this definition of passion and then plop it right into the middle of what the Bible says about it. And this definition of passion being that kind of intense or compelling action and that driving conviction, like these are powerful words. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because passion is a powerful feeling that then produces powerful results either what in the direction of the kingdom of God or in the direction of death. And both of the scriptures mentioned kind of show us how our sinful passions result in death and the need for them to be crucified. But what I like is that this just shows how the power of whatever is driving us internally will be the thing that's allowed to lead us externally, either Mm -hmm. into death or into life. Right? So, And I think, but here's what I'm wondering, is if we could just take a second and go just a little bit deeper with the verse from Romans, because verse five that talks about the passions and the realm of the flesh, and just kind of see if you guys can speak into this a little bit more, Um, because I know sometimes there's a lot of questions just around, like surrounding what it means, like the law and the flesh and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So uh, let me just read it again. It says... For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us so that we bore fruit for death. So let's just stop stop there at that one. Like, what does this mean, sinful passions aroused by the law? Well, um, the law, especially um, what was laid out in the Old Testament a lot of times is um, God defined what is, is right and what is wrong in his eyes, what's evil and what's good in his eyes. And so that's, but that's, that's the law, and it's supposed to point out sin. It's supposed to point out those things uh, like a, a standard or a parameter for our lives, things that we should or shouldn't do. And, I mean, it even, like, like I always seem to go back to Genesis, you know, it was <laughs> defined <laughs> in the garden, hey, don't do this, but you have all these other things you can do, just there's this one thing you don't do. But um, being human... A lot of times that just that that seems to stir up this sort of rebellion inside of like before we ever came to know Christ, that that rebellion of I want to be the one to define what's right and wrong in my life. Mm-hmm. And I want to be the one to define what's good for me and what's and not good for me, because who are you to tell me kind of thing? And that's exactly what happened in the garden. And so it just seems to be um, just a very uh, just intrinsic in our human nature before we come to Christ that. You know, there's a definition of what's right and wrong, and a lot of times we want to go kicking and screaming and 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 go against those things. We want yeah. to be the one to define it, and so mm-hmm. and so what happens is we live by that, and that's that's where the fruit comes in. It says that we we bore fruit for death, meaning that if we're going to live by our flesh and just doing whatever we want, acting out of rebellion, then we're going to produce that kind of fruit. Mm. Because anything that's not from God, anything that doesn't contain his, what, you know, his direction, what his kingdom standards are is he is totally life. And anything that does not contain his life is a, is it something full of death? So that's why it says, so that we bore fruit for death. Okay. And so I also know that like, because the law was holy. I mean, God gave his law for our protection so that we would still be able to live rightly mm-hmm. with him. And so whenever you have kind of this list 
of the things that were unholy or that would separate. And then how you say, Sandy, it illuminates then the sin in our own heart, because then we can see the ways that we're not living correctly. But Tracy, like, so what happens when people like Jesus didn't do away with the law, right? Absolutely not. But I think, I think it kind of goes back to what, what Sandy mentioned. I mean, our nature is to say, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Yeah. And when so many times we want to do it for ourselves. And so it doesn't matter when we get to that point. It's all about refusing to submit to his authority. Mm-hmm. You know, and we want to do it on our own. And we think, oh, it's it's fun. I'm going to miss out if I don't do right X, Y, and Z. And we don't, we can't comprehend that that is actually producing death. Mm-hmm. And we'll live a much fuller life when we produce fruit of life. Right. And so it's like after we kind of have that list of knowing, <sighs> then we can see in our own hearts the ways that we're not lining up. Well, and I think too that that God, when he made those uh, those laws, he did it. I, I think this is something we really miss, especially before we come to Christ, that he did it for our benefit because those a lot of those things are going to be hurtful to us on some level or and or it's going to be hurtful to our to our relationship with God. It's mm-hmm. going to be something that that cuts us off from God or, you know, prevents us from hearing him or seeing him or being in his presence sort of thing. And so um, it's really for our benefit, but we being self-centered humans, Mm -hmm. a lot of times we just totally miss that. And we think that it's just a rule to have a rule. And he's, you know, that God is just, he's like in the garden, you're holding out on me. I don't know, you know, and and so you end up, because you have that sort of perspective, you end up not trusting God. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so the trust causes, um, you know, it, it causes a separation between you and God. And it, and it just, it works against everything it, toward that relationship. It just works against that relationship, that mistrust. It just, it colors everything. Mm-hmm. Because then you're not seeing correctly. Right. right. And like, I know this, I mean, firsthand, you know, before I came to know Christ and I was a self-proclaimed atheist and in that mindset, I was literally, the view that I had of God from that point of view was that he must be mean. Like what kind of God puts rules around people that you created? Mm -hmm. He must hate fun. He must not want me to thrive. He must not want me to be happy and successful. And it was so distorted. You know what I mean? And until I think I got to that place where I could say, all right, Lord, I'm going to break off all of these things that I think you know, that all these preconceived thoughts that I have Mm -hmm. about you and Jesus, will you introduce me to you? And will Holy Spirit, will you help me read the Bible through a lens of truth Mm -hmm. that I'm seeing you correctly? And what we know is that to see God correctly, you have to see his character correctly Mm -hmm. as a good God. And I can look back now. So for anyone who's wondering or having these very same thoughts, like I can tell you, I can look back now and say, wow, I am thankful that he pulled me out of that deception because it's actually these parameters that want to protect me and want to protect the people around me, like hands down, worth it. And so just a little bit of encouragement there. 
And I think, too, that we have to see the bigger picture. Like when we talk about the law, we have to, it's really necessary to to view it in, in view of Christ. Yeah. Because when Jesus came on the scene in the New Testament, he even said, I didn't come to, bring, you know, to condemn. I mean, he, he said, I'm here to fulfill the law. And he was. He fulfilled all the prophecies of the Old Testament, every single one of them. And he he's, he's saying that he's not getting a... He's not throwing away the law. He's completing the law. Mm-hmm. But then the second thing is he's, you know, he even says to several people who came to him that I'm not here to condemn you. That's not, in other words, that's not my job right now. I mean, there's going to be in a, a, later on, as far as an eternal perspective goes, there will be a time when um, God will judge, you know, things, the right and the wrong things, but that's not now. And so in that, when we sin and we start realizing it, when when the Holy Spirit convicts us, there's a, that, that difference between the conviction and that like, you know, God shaking the finger at you and condemning you. It's it's That's not what God does. That's not what Jesus does. Nowhere in the New Testament did he say, you know, I can't believe you did that. Right. And, and just right. fill it with shame and condemnation and that sort of thing. And so there, I just wanted to make sure that like when we talk about what the law does and we have to see it through the lens of what Christ, how he said it, yeah. what he did, and that he wants, he just wants us to know, hey, these things are separating you from me. And so you need to take, you know, I, it's probably a really good idea mm-hmm. if you take care of this thing and it's yeah. not a condemning thing. But it's just because he wants relationship with us. Mm-hmm. And that's right. where it like, because at the end of the day, God is holy. Mm-hmm. And to to be able to come to him, which Jesus did it for us, you know, but to able to be able to come to him, we have to be in that right standing. And there has to be some kind of atonement for the sin. Like there just has to be, which is the beautiful thing about Jesus, though. But then what also brings freedom is then the fact that we're not stuck. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that's the point of Jesus. So, I like how if we go back to scripture, we get this picture on how we're not slaves to these fleshly or sinful passions anymore, like one square in Christ. And it's exciting to me because it means like just simply we are not stuck. And again, as an, I remember as an atheist thinking, I'm just stuck in this or before, like, how could anyone even measure up to this? Uh, this is always going to be my passions. This is always going to be my desires. I'm stuck. But that's so contrary to what Jesus does, because when you acknowledge him and you want him to meet you in those things, he does an inside out transformation. Mm-hmm. And it might not be immediately, but when he begins that work in you and you see that exchange of passions, something, the true you is able to come alive and you're far more fulfilled than you ever could have imagined. Okay. So it just says like the times that we go through our lives and and we have these moments where it feels like we are slaves and in bondage to the sin and and we tell ourselves that we just we just can't help it. But it's just simply not true because our internal driving passion, if I've learned anything is that it can change. And it says that if we look back in Romans, but continue on then with verse six, it literally says, but now by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So what does that mean? Well, I think, um, you know, uh, early in the verse there, it says, but now by dying to what was what was once 
bound, uh, you know, bound us. So we have to make that choice when we come to Christ. And I think, you know, initially when you first come to Christ, you don't realize the, the fullness of this, but you're, you are, you know, the point is to totally submit to him and, and submitting means surrendering to him. And in that surrendering mm-hmm. to him that you ultimately, you want to crucify those things, those, those fleshly things, those things that bring death into your life. Um, because like it says, Paul says in the Bible there that we have been co-crucified with Christ. And so we're supposed to choose to take those, those sinful acts that we're doing and crucify it. In other words, cut it off and make that and repent and turn around and go the other way. But we have to make that choice. And sometimes it feels overwhelming and sometimes it feels really difficult. But the point is, and this is kind of what you were getting at, is that is that we're not just like left on our own and we're, yeah. we're he doesn't leave us alone. Hey, you deal with it. You made this mess. Now you deal with it. You know, he doesn't, he never says that. He's, he says, I'm right here with you and I will strengthen you with my right, my right hand. I'll strengthen you all day long. And, you know, so he's all for us in that, but we have to make that initial choice that I'm sick of doing this. I'm sick of this sin and I want to get rid of this thing, but I need help. Mm-hmm. And when you come to him on that sort of uh, open and honest conversation, he is right there with you and he will give everything that he has to you to help you in that. Yeah. You're not mm-hmm. left just like, you know, left out to dry, so to speak. Yeah. And, and I think for to help people remember that it's not necessarily a one choice and you're done. Yep. You know, I can remember over the years hearing people say, well, I accepted Christ yesterday, and I, but I failed today. Mm-hmm. And then they feel like they weren't sincere just because they, mm. they didn't, they, st- they were still learning and they yeah. didn't realize that it was still that choice. Maybe every day that they were going to have to choose to not do that. Or each day we have to choose to surrender to Christ whatever's going on and, and submit to him. And I think the other side of that is, you know, so many people think that when we, when we surrender, we're weak. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, but really it's, it takes a lot more courage and a lot more strength to surrender than to hold on. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hands down. I mean, I remember, I remember first coming to know Christ (laughs) out of, the drug party lifestyle thinking that this was what you know this was the thing that was really making me happy and that this is living how i wanted was the way i wanted to go but if i actually took a step back and i'm like how is this working out for me actually <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like hold on a second like if i look around and so if my whole lifestyle is party hang out with whoever i want do whatever i want but at the end of the day, I go home, I'm still by myself, I'm lonely, I'm tired, I'm scared, I'm depressed, I'm anxious, I've got all these mental health whatever issues, and I'm like, actually, this isn't working out for me. Like, this yes. isn't working. And the lie is that people think that this is what living is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you actually look at the fruit, when it says that it bore the fruit of death, man, I was living how I wanted, being my own mini God, and I bore the fruit of mm-hmm. death, anxiety and depression and mental health disorders and broken relationships. 
But to come to that place in my life where it was like, all right, God, then if you're real, I'll follow you for one year. I'll say yes for one year to whatever I believe you're inviting me into. And I didn't know at the time, but that's surrender. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then it was like in relationship, then he led. And so it wasn't this, Sandy, how you were saying, it's not this, okay, now clean yourself up and do all these things and do it perfectly. Or Tracy, if you, if you stumble the next day that suddenly you're bad and horrible and never mind, like that's not what he did. He's like, okay, today, here's what I want to show you. Let's just do this, this step today. And then we'll work on the steps as we go. But that relationship had to strengthen without relationship then you're just trying to white knuckle it and do it all on your own. But that's not what the blood of Jesus did. Mm -hmm. Well, I think people get overwhelmed when they start, especially as new believers, we we want so bad to be that, what God wants us to be. Mm -hmm. And I can remember doing a study years ago on Proverbs 31. Mm -hmm. And I thought I can be a Proverbs 31 wife. Well, then I read it and I thought, (laughs) I, I, I don't know that I can do that. Yeah. Like, I can't get up that early. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, there were all sorts of issues with that. Right. I'm not making Kenny's clothes. I'm not, I mean, no. But I remember thinking, oh my gosh, am I, am I not being the wife that I'm supposed to be because I can't, I'm falling short of all of these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and it was a process to learn that he's not going to shame me. He's not going to. He's going to pick me up and say, this is what we're striving for. Yeah. You know? Yes. Mm -hmm. He doesn't, he picks you up and says, let's do this together Yes, Mm -hmm. in partnership. He doesn't say, figure it out. I'll be over here waiting for you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But that's where I just want to just really reiterate that as we're looking, especially as we're looking at passions and we're looking at either the fleshly passions that bore death or the spirit passions that bore life. That we're not, that we're just really careful to know that it's not this uh, condemning thing. That right. as we exchange that with the Lord, that it's going to be by the work of the Spirit and through our surrender. Right. That that's the thing that's going to create the lasting change. So, okay. Sandy, mm-hmm. you want to go ahead and read the other part of the excerpt? Yeah. So, so it says, now we know not all passion comes from God. There are multiple scripture that tells us to walk away from our fleshly passion. We know that scripture talks about sinful passion, but I don't believe we're talking about the same thing. Rather, we're going to be looking at those things that Jesus has embedded in us. And as we grow closer to him, that passion grows too. So as we look at passion, I want us to take time to discern what are passions given by God and what are passions of our flesh that we need to release. How do we know if the passion is from God or or our own selfish desires? Ask Jesus. He will show you. Once the desires of our heart line up with his plans, there's nothing, truly nothing we can't do. Mm, Yeah. And this is fun because we just talked about how we're born into the flesh and we're born with the passions of sin, then ruling over our flesh. And then we just discussed how we can actually crucify or then get rid of these sinful passions that are separating us from God once and for all. But I think what I really love is how it doesn't just it doesn't just stop there. Do you know what I mean? Because like we serve a God who designed us to be passionate about things. Like he's the one who placed that 
driving force within us to care deeply about the people or the injustices of the world. So it's not that he just like tells us to stop being passionate, but rather he replaces it with the passions that are going to bring him glory and ultimately be the things that are going to satisfy us. I mean, y'all know my whole life I've been an enthusiastic person, right? If you can really imagine. (laughs) (laughs) So like incredibly passionate about like literally everything. It's like either my whole heart is into something or there's nothing. But I remember how I used to just be out there, you know, like fighting the good fight and marching in the streets, doing the protests, doing all the protests, like, and this is as an atheist, but I still had a passion for something, you know what I mean? And I was throwing myself straight into all of the latest, like, social injustice that was getting all of the media attention, and those things aren't, like, I want to be careful, those things aren't inherently bad, right? right? And some of them have brought real change for the good of the world and for the advancement of the gospel and like have made a lot of things right. But I remember God showing me as I grew in this relationship with him that I was just fighting against the symptoms of a world and a people who don't know him or aren't following him. And he, I remember when he invited me to start exchanging Exchanging those passions of fighting the symptoms with a passion for like getting to the root of the issues. And this is honestly the only way that I've been at No Boundaries for the last five years is because he showed me his heart and showed me the passions that he originally planted in me from the very beginning. With those being, I have a passion to see people have an experiential knowledge of Christ and also like clean drinking water. I love water. Incredibly (laughs) passionate about water. But in living water, you know what I mean? Um, But had I not like figured that out, I would still be walking around with these sinful fleshly passions leading me that wouldn't have any actual lasting impact instead of exchanging those for where I know God has called me to be. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think too that um, like you had just described yourself with having all these different passions and, and it's like you said that, you know, those, that's a good thing, but if we don't, you know, consecrate that, if we don't give that to Christ and find out what he thinks about it, find out what he feels about it, there's always that possibility because, like, if we do this in our flesh and we do it under our own thinking, that we can hurt somebody else in yeah. the process right. or, I mean, we can get hurt or, but the the thing about, you know, Jesus, when you look at the New Testament, he was so selfless and mm-hmm. he was others centered. And so the, the challenge sometimes when you act out of your own flesh in a passion sort of thing is there's always that possibility that you can do it at the expense of others or, at, you know, hurt somebody and that sort of thing. And, and that's, and nobody, you know, intends to do that, but and that, I think that's one of many reasons, like, we just, we need to get God's perspective on those things that stir us up that we're passionate about, and what does he think about it, and just give it back to him. And then the thing about it, when you do that, and, and when you really do, you give it to him, you, uh, you know, surrender it to him, is that you're, like, we're having relationship with the most intelligent being in the universe. Yeah. And so he can give you, you know, un unbelievable ways to answer whatever that injustice is or that thing that you're passionate about that you would have never even thought about, Mm -hmm. that it could be exponentially better than what you were doing in the first place. 
And so there's there's a huge advantages to being able to give this thing to the God of the universe. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, we have these little passions in our own self. But, like, if you read the Bible, you know, thoroughly, he hates injustice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He really hates it because it hurts people, mm-hmm. and and people is what he loves the most. And so the whole point is, is that we really need to make sure that we're doing this under what he, you know, under his plan, under his kingdom way, so that we don't hurt others or hurt ourselves. Right. Yeah. When I think about like when you said, you know, that you were just treating, you were just fighting against the symptoms mm-hmm. instead of really looking at what the issue was. And we know the issue was people weren't following Jesus. Yeah. Or they were doing things under the name of Jesus and causing harm, like Sandy was talking about. But, you know, you just think about, you know, if you've got a yard and you've got weeds Mm -hmm. and you pull that weed, if you miss the roots, they're They're coming coming back. back. Yeah. You know, and we're just treating that top level. We're really not solving any problem. But, I know for me, if I miss the roots, more weeds pop up. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like gremlins. You know, they get wet and they just grow. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's it. Uh, Sandy, it was, we were listening to a sermon. And it was Tim Mackey, mm-hmm. I believe. And he was talking and he was like, here's the thing. Like, God doesn't just want to end human trafficking. Like, he wants to rid people of lust. Right. Like, he, he wants to get to the source of it all. Yes. He doesn't want to just stop murderers from murdering. He wants us to get hate out of our hearts. Absolutely. Like, and that's a whole different fight. Yes. You know, and that's whenever he can drop those creative things for the person in front of you. You know, like, how if we can be so aware of how do we love the person in front of us, like, he'll drop things mm-hmm. in us that will help break through those walls mm-hmm. where we can actually get and help people through the root of yeah. what they're yes. feeling or experiencing. And that has lasting impact. Yes. Right. It's so good. And then to know that it's actually this powerful, passionate feeling, like, that is the thing that has the power to change things for the better when it's submitted to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, Jesus was passionate, right? He was passionate. He responded to it. He responded to the passions. Remember in um, in John chapter 2, when Jesus turns over the tables in the temple because the temple wasn't being used correctly? And so then in verse 17, it literally says, his disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. So in other words, like Jesus's passion for his father's house being treated correctly consumed him and then drove him into action. Like he was passionate about that. And so then it was soup. It was an intense, intense moment and an intense passion with an intense action that led to then an intense result. So like Jesus having that moment in the temple, a moment of passion, overturning the tables is still having repercussions today. That act of passion for his father submitted to his father. We're still talking about it now, 2000 years later. And I mean, we still read this story and we respond to it internally. We respond to it in our hearts. Like, think about it. So Jesus was that passionate about what's happening in the temple, right? in the father's house where people would meet with father God. He couldn't stand the idea of the place not being used correctly, but like, where's the temple now? Yeah. So 
the you know back in when in verse seventeen the what you just read about his disciples you know saying zeal for your house will consume me and and part of that I mean you said absolutely correctly that the house the father's house was not being used correctly but you know the the problem was in it not being used correctly is that it was it was preventing people to come to to worship the father so it's mm. preventing relationship with the father and so it was hurting people yeah and mm. all through scripture it he continually says he hates injustice which is hurting people and preventing right relationship with him and so now fast forward these thousands of years you you just asked about the temple so now the temple is within each one of us because we don't have to go to that one building in the one city in the one place to meet God. God can meet us in our hearts. And so each one of us then becomes that temple. And yeah. so anything just like what Jesus had pointed out, anything that's going to prevent that relationship with the father, he wants that thing out of us. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's why it's so important that our passions line up with what he says, because just like, Back then, when he was so upset about how the temple was being used, when yeah. we're not operating in those passions that he gave us, we're still causing that same harm. We're still doing those same things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, his temple today has yeah. to make lasting difference for the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if we're his temple residing in each of us, then, of course, if we're causing harm... Just like the original temple right. that you just said, like if we're preventing people from having relationship with the father, like he's still passionate right. about that. Super passionate. Yeah. Like yeah. that's still. That's what he gave his life for. Right. right. So that's still the thing that he wants to overturn, mm -hmm. so to speak, then whatever tables are set up in us so that his people will know him and so that we can be instrumental in making him known. Yes. Yeah. So good. Okay. So then when he replaces our passions with his, then this just shows us that there should be a change inside of us that people can see. You know what I mean? Like there should be an action mm -hmm. that follows. Like Jesus's passion for the father and for his father's house so that people could meet drove him to an action. Right. So Sandy, will you go ahead and pick it up with the next excerpt of the Devo? Yes. So it says... Now, I want you to take that time to ask somebody close to you what they think about the, about what you're passionate about. And so do any of your answers match, match up? Why do you think I'd be interested in what others see? First, don't mistake what I'm asking. I'm not asking you to put uh, too much into what others see, but rather this exercise helps us to identify if our words and our actions match what's truly in our heart. Yeah, I love this. So Dr. Tracy... Will you talk a little bit more about why you included this in your in this section in here? Absolutely. So, you know, we just talked about how we are his temple and that if we don't want to cause harm, he's so passionate about us not causing harm, mm -hmm. you know. And so we know that what comes out is an overflow of what's inside of us. Yeah. And so if it's just a great exercise for you to evaluate is what others seen, what's really inside of your heart. And it does there need to be a shift? Yeah. You know, if you can't, if you know me, you, there's things that I'm passionate about and on the inside and outside, Yeah, you know, but, <laughs> but if you don't know, 
that I'm passionate about those things, am I really, is that really what I'm passionate about? Yeah. You know, or is there some, like it said in Galatians, is there some envy or conceit or, you know, something like that that's impacting the passion that's coming out? Yeah. And so I was that passionate with the wrong motive is what yes. you're saying. Instead of the motive of love. Yes. Okay. And I like how, you know, and I think at No Boundaries, we, as a community, like we operate in community in a way that we kind of know each other and we'll know what is coming out of each other. Right. And if it's not matching up with what we're saying, like we just call each other, we just flat call each other out on it. Yes. <laughs> like, but you have to. Can't get away with nothing here. Everybody should have friends like that. Yeah. That are pushing you toward Jesus. Yes. Yeah. And that's what's bringing you. I mean, that is ultimately what brings out what's in your heart. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, and it's important when you when you do talk to somebody that's close to you, they they need to be seeking Jesus. Yeah. And so, you know, so many times people we've watched people that will, you know, seek advice, but they seek it from people that will answer the way they want yeah. them to answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. Yep. I'm going to come to this community and I know who to talk to. Correct. So who, who's going to agree with me. Yes. And I don't want to talk to the other people. Yeah. You know, I think about even when my daughter was young and I'd say, are you going to pray about something? And she'd say, no, because I know if I pray about it, I already know his answer. So I'm just not going to pray about it because mm. I don't want to do that. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Let me know how that works right? out for you. <laughs> but it's kind of that same thing with our passions. We want to we want to go to those people that will tell us, make us feel good instead of like you said, and hold us yeah. accountable and help raise that up in us. Yeah. It's that moment of you're like, hey, I'm hearing you say these words and I'm hearing you. And what's the action? Ex- yes. Right. <laughs> but what is your actions aren't lining up. There's some kind of miscommunication there. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just an invitation then to sit with that person and then. Look at it, you know, like look at it with each other before the Lord and ask him questions like, Jesus, is there something that that you want to speak to me about this? It's not lining up or why are my actions not lining up with what I believe I believe in my heart? Mm -hmm. And is there something there that's clouding or deceptive that I'm just flat out not seeing? And I want to be careful here again, because none of this is in condemnation. We all have blind spots. Absolutely. Like every single one of us. It's part of why we need community. That's exactly why we need (laughs) community. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which, okay. Yeah, this is so good. Okay. So then Sandy, Mm -hmm. will you take us back to Tracy's Devo? Okay. So next it says, certainly our life experience can make us passionate, but we need to make sure it's, it's passion and not retaliation or redemption that we're seeking. Sadly, many of us are passionate about something because of a bad experience. I 100% believe that the trauma we have gone through does not have to define us because God's word says that all things work together for the good of those who believe. I don't believe it's automatic. No doubt God will do his part, but I do believe that we have to do our part too. We must allow God to heal us from the inside out. And if we try to change the world from a place of hurt, we're going to leave a wake of hurt and despair all under the name of Jesus. That's good. And I think that's really meaty. Like there's a lot in that. (laughs) But I think what I want to ask you, Dr. Tracy, is we talk a little bit 
a little bit more on what happens when we try to serve the Lord out of a place of hurt. Mm. Well, you know, it goes back to that saying of hurting people hurt people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Because when we're doing it out of hurt, so often we can't even see the person that's really in front of us that needs help. Yes. Because we're so consumed with who we are and, and this horrible thing that's happened to them and we're sharing and they're, they're going through something that hurt them. And all we can think about is how hurt we were, mm-hmm. you know, and, and what that felt like for us instead yeah. of being fully present and fully available for that person that's in front of us, because that's who God placed in front of us to yeah. be able to help. And we can't really take somebody where we've never been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really true. And then if we're trying to like use their story or even use their situation to mm-hmm. bring us some kind of redemption. Right. Like, are you not also you mean, just, sort of in a mani- manipulative sort yeah. of way? Yeah. yeah. Like, then are we not also just using them? And then we're doing it in the name of Jesus, but really we're just feeding ourselves. Yeah. Because maybe we did some really terrible things in the world's eyes. Yeah. And, you know, if we can bring all of these people to Jesus, then we'll have redemption. Mm, Yeah. So we need to serve people from a place of freedom and not a place seeking freedom. Yes. That's good. That was good. So Sandy, Hmm. I mean, what do you think? You've been in missions for over 42 years. Like I'm sure you've seen some stuff. (laughs) <laughs> wow. Right? Well, Isn't that wild? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's, it's funny. You can, if you let people talk long enough, you can, a lot of times you can see, and that's the value of listening, but you can really see their perspective. Like you can see what motivates, what the mm-hmm. motivation is coming out of why we're doing it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and it's just, it's sad sometimes when, when we encounter people that are doing it for the wrong motive. Mm-hmm. Um we had, um, I don't know, and this may not be the perfect example, but we, we've done a lot of talks over the years about uh, to different agencies um, about human trafficking. And we were in a, a fire, I think it was a fire department slash police department kind of meeting together and talking about human trafficking and stuff. And right off the bat, um, several of the guys got up there and basically said um, that they're going to take care of human trafficking one bullet at a time. Mm. And I thought, Oh my gosh, you're missing the whole point. Like, right. And so let's, let's just like start this whole thing all over again, you know? Yes. So we had to kind of start all over. Mm. But uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, that's not the perspective that Jesus wants us to take. And so God had mercy on us mm-hmm. as like God loved us while we were still sinning right? and he had mercy on us. And so, you know, it's not, it's not that we should pray for justice on, on any of this, the stuff that we're passionate about, because I mean, we don't want justice. We want God's mercy. Yeah. We want God's compassion. We want God's love that, that those things would uh, intervene in, in those people's hearts, those people who, whether they've broken a law or done something abusive or, or whatever the, the, the bad scenario is, we need God to break in and so that they don't, you know, die and go to hell and not know that salvation of Christ. And so, and that's what God wants. That's what he wants to be able to give them mercy so that they'll come to him and receive yeah. his love and be changed from the inside out. Mm-hmm. You know, and they, ha- they have to have, they have to do their part, but that's Jesus's heart toward the whole thing. I mean, and that's what he says, like, his, it's his love and kindness that leads us to, to repentance. repentance. Yeah. Like, 
And I know that, I mean, and you're not saying by any means that, I mean, people still sometimes need those external. Yes, they do. Yes. Like people. They might need a good jail sentence or a good prison sentence right. or, or some kind of external parameters like that. They still, they do need that. Yes. There's still consequences. There's still yes. consequences to your actions. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we're saying like, but you can't just keep, you can't use hate or sin to drive out hate and sin. Yeah. Like that oh. doesn't work like that. Well, I mean, even with human trafficking, can you imagine the difference if the body of Christ, instead of laying blame and, and you know, mm. fighting this injustice, really fell on their knees and started praying for those people to radically encounter Jesus? Yeah. What would the difference be? Like the be? source of the human trafficking. Correct. Yes. Right. <laughs> right. Go to the source. Right. Yeah, that's so good. Okay, let's keep going along. Sandy? Yes. You uh, need me to um, read the next one. Yes, I need you to read the next one is what I meant to say. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And so uh, it continues on saying, as you think about life experiences, is there something that has happened to you that you're seeking justice for rather than desiring others to experience the victory? If you haven't experienced supernatural victory yet, now is a great time. Will you choose today to let Jesus have justice and you walk in victory? Okay, yeah, let's stop right there. So what does it mean? Like we've said this this phrase now a lot. So then what does it mean for Jesus to be the one that has the victory? And then what do we do? Like we probably hear it all the time that people that have those feelings that say, well, that person like must pay for what happened. Like what do you do with that? I think for me, I just remind, you know, I like what Dr. Lori says in the CPR that, you know, the trauma we experience is probably not our fault, but the healing is our responsibility. Mm. You know, and I think about, I think about that, you know, we can either choose to let God have that justice Mm -hmm. and we can walk in victory because it goes back to the unforgiveness even. Probably the things that we're doing aren't impacting that person anyway. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so for for them to realize that that justice and forgiveness may not go hand in hand. Yeah. What do you mean? Well, you know, that the person that hurt them may not we may not see that justice in our life in our lifetime. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But uh, we can still forgive them and walk in that victory because of what Jesus did for us and what he's doing in and through us. And we can know that he promised that he's going to make everything right. Yeah. Absolutely. Like that's our hope that we're not living for just this lifetime or just this moment, but there's right. an eternity and he promised that everything will be made right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Every injustice. Yes. Oh. Yeah, that's very true. And so, I think you're right. You need that. We need, and and also in that we have to. Um, it it is an internal mindset, but also it's a trust factor. Like like, hey Jesus, you said in your word that um, that you know at a, at the right time with your time, and you'll make the wrong things right. So I'm going to trust you with that, and I'm going to give you this person, and I'm going to forgive this person, and I'm, and I'm going to just hold them with an open hand and allow you to take care of them, like whether that's. Uh, that they would encounter you in your love uh, in your forgiveness and and have you you know reshape them in their heart from the inside out 
or whatever that looks like, whether I see it or not, but it involves a trusting, like we have to trust that, you know, that circumstance and that person with Jesus and hand them over to Jesus and say, I I trust you, Jesus, to take Mm -hmm, care of it. mm -hmm. Because a lot of times we want to take, we want to take control of the situation and we want to be the one to go in their face and, you know, yell at them or, Mm -hmm. or do whatever. There's a thousand different scenarios of how that could go down. But, and so, you know, it really, it takes some, um, some trust on our part to say, Jesus, I'm giving this over to you and I trust you fully with this thing. And I know you'll make the wrong things right, but you're going to do the right by this person that they, you know, hopefully that they'll come to know you, that sort of thing. Yeah. And when you forgive, like, or if you hold on to unforgiveness, you're not just you're not hurting them anymore. They like, probably don't even know. They, probably, no idea. they have no idea. Or they have no idea what's eating you up at mm-hmm. night. But you're giving them all of your power. And you become this powerless person mm-hmm. who's a victim or believes that you're a victim to whatever happened. Do you know And what then I mean? it's like drinking poison on the inside because it right. just festers inside yes. of you for so long, you know. And then you see everything then through that lens mm-hmm. of bitterness and resentment. Mm-hmm. And then and you go into self-protection. And then now you're a slave to fear because you're not going to let anyone treat you like that again. And affects all your relationships. Yes. For that forward because now you're measuring them to this. Because and... you couldn't release it. Uh-huh. And then if you're trying to serve out of that place to make something right, like really it's all going wrong, right? The fruit, you're back in your fleshly patterns. And we just learned that the fruit of that is going to be death. Mm -hmm. Ah, so good. Okay. So Sandy, let's keep going in the Devo. (laughs) All right. So now it picks up and it says the other part that we have to examine um, of the list is, is there pain that you have caused and, and you are seeking redemption? If that's you, we have great news. Jesus tells us when we ask for forgiveness of our sins, he forgives us. And that sin is as far as the East is from the West, which means it's finished. There's nothing more we can do. The redemption's already there. The thing you have to decide is, did you truly repent? Not just feel guilty because you got caught, Mm -hmm. but truly experience repentance. If If you did repent, have you taken time to forgive yourself? Jesus remembers it no more. If he can forgive us, why can't we forgive ourselves? I think this, this, I'm so glad that you included this, Dr. Tracy, because this one hits home. Like I know when I, this is, (laughs) I know when I first started walking this, this truth out, I really felt like I had to do a lot of things to make up for, right? Yeah. The wrong things that I had done throughout my past. Like you make, you mean like making it up with God or making yes. it up with another person? Or what does that mean? Like make it up with God. Oh, okay. I felt so guilty for all, like even when I'm walking with Christ and I think, but I'm like, okay, I, there must be something because I've been a horrible person. Now I need to make sure that I'm doing all these things to make it up to God. And even like, in this day and age, like we live in a culture that's always demanding justice for the victim of whatever it is. And I've mm-hmm. been on both sides. I've been on the, I need to forgive. And I like the things that have happened to me. And then I've been on the, I need to forgive myself for the things that I've done. Right. And it's like, this culture says that we keep wanting 
people to pay for what they've done over and over and over again. And a lot of times it's even like when they've served the jail sentence or did the community service hours, like we still say, hey, that's not enough, Mm -hmm. which is what makes the kingdom of heaven so wild because what God says is actually all you have to do is acknowledge my son as the savior of the world and receive the free gift of salvation by grace through faith and that you don't have to keep trying to fix your mistakes (laughs) over and over again. Like, is that not the most incredible or freeing Mm -hmm. reality that the creator, that our God who made us would make a way? I can't. Okay. (laughs) And so I just remember one day having this huge, you know, when you're just in a pity party, uh, just having this endless amount of, I call it a guilt party. And I was just like, I've done these things and I can't do enough to fix it. And I don't know, like now, Jesus, now what? And I remember so clearly that he showed me that if I choose to not forgive myself and turn towards him and move on, then what I'm really saying (laughs) is, Jesus, what you did was enough for everyone else, but not for me. So like, I actually need you to do more. Mm -hmm. And like, how crazy is that? And it's that kind of thinking is really just pride in disguise. You know what I mean? And it's not even a very good disguise. And then you're stuck still living in bondage to your past. But when that reality of that God says, like, I am choosing to forget, I'm choosing to not remember your sins anymore, if you'll just receive this free gift, like, this is how he's so good. Thoughts? Well, I mean, I think it's, I think if we have that perspective, what you just described, you know, we're going to start realizing how amazing Jesus is to us. And how amazing God is. And, and so it really counters what the world would say that, that we, we serve that God's mean and he's out to get you and, you know, all those things. But like for him to say that, you know, to you that he's covered everything and there's no need for you to beat your over your head, yourself over the head multiple times. I mean, he forgives you and, and he loves you. It's not this forgiving and I guess I'll tolerate you. Right. You know. Is that he he's, he loves you and he and he doesn't want you to keep beating yourself over the head about the whatever you know, and that just coming from the kindness of his heart and his mercy and he's faithful and he just that he's the source of all good things. It's just a continual source of good things, you know. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I I totally agree with all of that. I mean, we just um, so often, you know, like you said, it's it's easy for us to think and tell others, this is what Jesus is doing for you, Mm -hmm. but you don't know what all I've done. Yeah. Because we, we want to pray with expect. I mean, his word tells us to pray with expectation and it's so easy to pray with expectation if I'm praying for somebody else. Yeah. But sometimes when I'm praying for myself, Mm. I'm like, Oh, you know, and then we think that phrase, you know, forgive and forget. Well, Mm. I think that phrase really caused some damage because then people think, well, I remember it. So I must not have really forgot, forgiven them because Mm -hmm. I remember. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they don't understand that that memory is still there. Mm -hmm. It's just how we're going to respond to it. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. and that's when it says like God chooses to not remember it. Like he chooses to not hold it over us anymore. Like that's where that 
for I mean he's the god of the universe. I don't yeah. know. He's like he's you know, it. Like but he's saying like it doesn't it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like and it doesn't like one thing is not worse than another thing. Like it's anything that's separating because Sandy is used to like your point is that he he loves us and not does he just love us he likes us right. he looks at us and he's like man I like what I created and I like them and love them so much that I'm willing to die so that I can be in right standing with them so that I can have relationship that's how much I like them well and he created us in his image right and so if we think well God's angry and he's not gonna be able to forgive me. But we were created in his image. Yeah. So we're like him. I mean, so, and he went to the cross. And if we say, well, I I need to, you know, I need to do this or I need to do that. Then we're really saying, Jesus, you weren't enough on the cross. Right. Oh, that's fine. And we're just crucifying him all over again. Every time we sin, when we think that it's too much and he can't forgive us, we're saying, we need you to do that one more time. Mm Mm-hmm. <sighs> Does that not make everyone else hot <laughs> and right. sweating? Like, yikes. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. Okay. So, Sandy, let's keep going. Keep, keep going. All and right. will you read, this is the very last excerpt for today. Okay. So, it says, the third way I want you to look look at is through a mentor or teacher. Has someone inspired you? God often uses others to ignite a fire in us that's so hard to explain the mentor teacher is there to fan the flame and help you discover your destiny, not to teach you how to walk in theirs. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, as I speak to young adults, someone will say, I want to be like you. Flattering as that is, it's, it's just heartbreaking. And then I think about how people lead today. They give you steps, which is their steps, to be successful. They tell you to do what I do. Even in the workplace, many don't inspire creativity and independent thinking. A true leader will show you things that they've done or how they do something while encouraging you to dream, to imagine, and to go for it. The world doesn't need another me. The world needs a you. As similar as as my daughter and I are, there are still great differences. Those differences allow us to be able to do more. If all we ever do is exactly what someone else is doing, then there are people not being reached, things not being accomplished, and services not being provided. You were created for greatness. Greatness might mean you're known throughout the world, but greatness might also be providing a strength, calmness to others that that others can draw from. Whatever it is that you were created for is greatness when we learn what that is and how to walk in it. Yeah. And I think the first thing that comes to mind is how when the Bible says that we're the body of Christ made up of many different parts, like how we all can't be the same or have the same giftings because then it wouldn't, I mean, it wouldn't work out very well. That would be disastrous, actually. So let's just read it. And in 1 Corinthians 12, and we'll just read verses 12 through 18. But it says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not 
it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in a body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So that's so good. I mean, that's just like pretty laid out there. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of crazy because sometimes we'll sit and we'll compare our passions and our purposes to the people around us and be like, well, I don't have that one. Mm -hmm. And well, why am I not doing that? Like, you know what I mean? And that's just dangerous. So that leads us right into then Sandy, like talk a little bit about the dangers of comparing your gifts with one another. Well, the uh, I had I heard somebody say recently that actually comparison kills creativity, mm. and so mm-hmm. that's um, you know you just got done reading that whole thing about the different parts of the body, and and so basically one of the aspects of that is that God has given us each each person unique giftings, and like Tracy had said earlier that we're made in the image of Him, so those giftings when they're consecrated to Him, when they're given to Him. Um, that we look like him, but he's given us these giftings, unique giftings. And my giftings are going to be different than yours, Molly, or yours, Tracy. Mm-hmm. And, and that, um, we can't, we can't compare, you know, like we can't compare our giftings to each other on an, on an equal, ter- on an equal level by any means. Um, because God wants us to be unique and he wants us to be creative and he wants us to hear well, how he's directing us and in, in those giftings he's given us. But if we keep looking and I, you know, if we keep saying, well, that's not what Molly does. Molly does blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. She does it like this. I need to be doing that when, in fact, he's telling us this different way and a unique way. And so we're in, in effort, you know, in essence, we're saying that, well, God, I, I, I don't really believe you. And I think uh, Molly's been doing it this way for a really long time. So I should do it that way. Mm-hmm. When, in fact, he wants us to be creative and to do something a little bit different with the, the giftings he's put inside of us. To, you know, and ultimately it's to, it's for, um, to, to benefit people and to bring glory to God and to bring his kingdom down here on earth. And so we, that, you know, he's given us these, each person, these different giftings. I mean, Tracy's written this whole devotional. It's, it's so amazing. Uh, I just, that's like, I couldn't do something like that, mm-hmm. but there's nothing wrong with that. That's right. just, that's what you, you know, the giftings he's given you. And then I have different giftings. And so instead of comparing and comparing, we just need to be satisfied and content with what God has given us, and but then also develop those things, those unique things within us. And then that's, that's where you fill in the gaps. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, if you, Sandy, were also writing this very same, same deep, like that wouldn't it make would, any it, sense. And it would look completely different. Like, anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's, like, we need each other. And he also says that we will know, like, by where we fit together you know Mm -hmm. so not that we're all doing the same thing but if i can look at tracy or sandy and be like oh man like he i don't do any of that but here's what i can offer like here's what i can offer that maybe the two of you aren't offering and then where i'm in my deficits or in my weaknesses like you know yeah then we're supportive absolutely well even just even with the podcast i mean you know i could sit here and talk but i couldn't put it together yeah, you know, and and wouldn't even begin to know how to 
do those things. Mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> nor do I want to. Right. <laughs> so we're all And so operating. you're not passionate about it. I'm not, but I love to talk. Right. <laughs> so we're operating in the gifts that he's given us. Yes. Yes. And it's interesting that it would then also take three people to like... To- to, to do, do the it. one thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's what he loves that. Yes. And he loves that it takes the body. He loves whenever the, you know, he loves when you have to rely on your hand to know where you're going and not just your feet. Like he loves that. Yes. And I think it breaks his heart when his body is not operating that way. Yeah. You know, kind mm-hmm. of that. Um, Division. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like that statement they say, you know, the the biggest way to divide a church is change the color of the carpet. (laughs) You know, that shouldn't be a thing. Right. Because if the body is really working together and recognizing the gifts that we just talked about. Yeah. uh, Who cares what color the carpet is? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it would be nice when if we could get to the place where then we could call out like each other's passions and the greatness in one another and what you're created for. How fun. Rather than just Mm -hmm. like condemning the people around us for not being just like us. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's what I was going to mention was that the other, the kind of the flip side of the whole comparison thing is that I think there's a, um, done in a wrong way. I think there's a fear motive behind it Mm, in that like I'm comparing myself to you and you're not like me. So I don't trust you. You know what I mean? And so it becomes that comparing at that point becomes a division thing, which is totally what, like you had just mentioned, that God does not want that. No. I mean, it's all through his word that he wants unity in the body, unity. And even he wants the unity, even with um, the different ways of, of worshiping him, the different denominations or those sort of things that we can just look past, like the color of the carpet sort of arguments, right. like how the church services go and what different belief system. We can just look past that and keeps our keep our eyes on Jesus. And so there's unity in the diversity, that he loves yes. diversity. I Instead love of this comparing and, and using fear to push that comparison, you're not like me, so you I don't trust you and I don't want to be with, you know, that divisionary thing. He wants the unity in the diversity as a, and, and as a statement to the world because the statement, the world sees it. The world sees it yes. pretty plainly that that there's a lot of division in the church. Yes. You know? And he wants that changed. He really Absolutely. does. Absolutely. And can you imagine, like, if everybody operated like me? Mm. Mm. I mean, no. I mean, <laughs> Sandy <laughs> just laughed. She's she's be, really twitching. There's a lot of see this. There'd be a lot of glitter and a lot of pink. <laughs> Absolutely. But oh my gosh, I think even I would get sick of glitter and pink like, at that point. <laughs> you know. And that's at where it's the, someone said, we just listened to you recently, and they're like, uh, unity doesn't mean uniform. Yes. Uniformity. Yes. Is yes. that what you said? Okay. It's, yeah, unity doesn't mean uniformity. It yeah. just, uh, it's loving each other, just even with differences, you know? Yeah. I, you know, I just, I think about the snow, you know, like, I wish it could be 80 degrees in snow because the snow's beautiful. I just really... I just don't enjoy the cold. Right. But, you know, we we learned in grade school that every snowflake is different. Mm -hmm. But when they all come together and they're on the ground and there's no footprints, no anything, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how cool. I mean, like, what a great illustration. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's good. Right? That was really good. That was really good. (laughs) (laughs) And I know, like, speaking of snowflakes, 
Like I know when I look around at like our staff meetings or whatever, um, no boundaries at yeah. no boundaries, like we're not necessarily picking each other in the lunchroom beforehand, you know, <laughs> like the, like we were so different. Oh, you mean before we all like, if we were all like, if we were all in high school okay. and suddenly we were trying to pick where we were going to sit, like in the school cafeteria, we, we would not be sitting we with each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we probably would even wouldn't hang out ever, ever. And so it's interesting to see then, like, I think it's just so even apparent from our Oklahoma City base and our Amarillo base, just the amount of diversity within our team. And yet somehow we managed to work together and figure it out because we're so committed to the one spirit. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing. I mean, it's, it's acts. They had everything in common, you know, like having nothing in common, but we have everything in common as far as our focus is to use whatever the passions and whatever the giftings that he placed in each of us to the glory of God. Yes. And we can acknowledge that when we come together, it's better. And that when Mm -hmm. we come together, more gets accomplished than what would get accomplished, Mm -hmm. divided and separated. So, all right, Tracy, any final words or thoughts? This has been so fun. You guys, I love talking about passion. I just got to be honest. You're passionate about it? I'm passionate about talking about passion, you know, and I just hope that everybody will start to think about what they're truly passionate about, what Jesus is embedded deep inside of them yeah, and how they can use that to serve him. Yeah, that's good. Sandy? No, I think it's it's excellent. Tracy did a great job. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So... Then here's what I'm hearing. That we were created by God and for God. And that when he did that, when he formed us in our mother's womb, that he placed certain things in there, things that we'd like and things that we don't like. And he did it on purpose, that he designed us and created us for his glory, that there would be something creative that would come out of us that he knows. And that if there's things because sin came into the world that sometimes our fleshly passions try to take over that lead into death. But God, the living God wants to exchange those for, to awaken the things that he placed inside of us before the foundations of the earth are even set forth into motion. And so here's what I'm hearing you guys. If you're in that place, if you're in that place where you can ask Jesus what he created you for, or what passions did he place inside of you? to get quiet before the Lord and respond and to ask him if there's any fleshly desires that are out of place that he wants to exchange for something real and for the only thing that will satisfy. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you that there is nothing quite like operating in your passions for the kingdom of God. There is nothing like being somewhere on the planet and knowing that there's nowhere else that you'd rather be and that there's nothing else that you'd rather be doing and knowing exactly that you were created for certain moments or certain times. So Jesus, we just thank you for the listeners. Jesus, we thank you for what you're speaking to their hearts. Jesus, we ask that you ignite a fire inside of them for you Jesus, that they would throw off anything that's hindering or anything that's less than and repent. We ask for a spirit of conviction to fall on all of us, that we wouldn't grow dull, 
Lord, that we would tune our ears to your voice and then that we would respond accordingly. So Jesus, we thank you, we love you, and we bless you in Jesus' name. So thank you, Dr. Tracy. Thank you. Thank you, you, Sandy. It's been wonderful. And we will see you guys next time. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.